Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, sponsored by the Pageant Planet Shop, where you can find everything that you need to successfully compete from butt glue to pageant swimwear to pageant jewelry, shoes, literally everything that you need to successfully compete and win the crown can be found in our store. And we give you free shipping on all the products all the time. And on a weekly basis, we also have some crazy sort of sale that we're just giving away stuff. So if you go there right now, you'll probably find something that we're basically just giving away. Um, and to do that, just go to shop.thepageantplanet.com and you'll find all the goodies there. So today I am super excited about today's call. We have on the phone Drew Dunn, who is stylist and co-owner of Thomas Dunn Studios. And they've pretty much done hair, makeup, and photography for all of the who's who in pageantry. I mean, ranging from former Miss Universe title holders to reigning and former Miss USA state title holders to Miss Internationals. Um, actually, in fact, they were responsible for doing our queen of coaching, who is Jessie Ledoux. She's over all of our VIP members and VIP coaching clients. She was a former Miss International 2013, and they did her hair, makeup, photos, the works. So... Um, Thomas Dunn Studios have also worked for some really, uh, I would say mildly famous people like, you know, Katy Perry. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty, pretty low key there. Uh, so anyways, to help us understand and navigate through the trends of hair, makeup and, and all of their expertise is Drew Dunn. So Drew, welcome to the call. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be here. Now talk to us some about the upcoming trends that you see in pageantry for hair and makeup. Sure. Um, I feel like over the last like couple of years, a lot of um, th- trends and things that happen in like the fashion realm have started to bleed over into pageantry. When you look at like evening gown designers and jewelry and shoes, it's being it's becoming less and less quote unquote pageanty. Um, I guess you could say and more uh, modern. Um, and it also depends on the actual pageant system. I feel like you're competing in, but um, the hair and makeup trends are starting to go a little bit more. Um, edgy and sexy, I think. Um, now, granted, I probably would do something different on a Miss America contestant than I would like a Miss USA contestant. Um, but the overall hair and makeup um, trends that a hair and makeup stylist would be using, I feel like are getting to be more modern and less pageant patty. Mm. Now, do you feel like, I mean, for example, the um, the modeling company that bought Miss Universe, mm-hmm. do you f- and since pretty much the girls look to American universe for their trends. And, and right, right now, like universe is a lot more in the spotlight and a lot more out there than America. Do you feel right. like that's the, the common denominator that's driving this trend or is it something else? Um, I feel like, yes. Um, especially with somebody as widely known as IMG, I feel like they are looking at it from a business standpoint, from the model end of it. Um, it's a great opportunity for IMG to have some new talent from the pageant itself. Um, it's also a great opportunity for IMG to advertise. So I feel like when you get into that more modely kind of look, um, it takes the the traditional pageant stereotype out of the equation. Um, and when you watch a contestant or a contest like Miss USA on television, you I feel like you tend to forget that you're watching a pageant. It becomes more like an event or a fashion show. Um, and I really like the way they've done that because it, I feel like it refreshes what a pageant is meant to be. Yeah, completely. It definitely has more of that Victoria's Secret vibe, though exactly, the girls are a yeah. little bit more clothed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's and, true. And no wings, and no wings. <laughs> right. Dang, I wish they had the wings. Ah, it, it would really make for some interesting conversation. Yeah. Now, are there any styles that you feel like contestants should absolutely avoid when it comes to hair and makeup? Um, I feel like that really depends on the person. Um, as a full-time hairdresser, I look at my clients and what would suit them and flatter them based off their hair color, eye color, you know, face shape, all those kind of factors. Um, and I feel like that there are overdone hairstyles, but I think it really just depends on what your stylist knows would look good on you. Um, and everybody kind of knows what looks good on themselves because they've been there, done that, and thought, oh, I'll never do that hairstyle again, or I'll never do that eye makeup color again because it looks really bad on me. So I feel like when you hire a professional, 
um, that's part of what you're getting is that knowledge and opinion on let's do this for you because I don't think this full slicked back ponytail is going to be as flattering. So, yeah, it is a bit challenging because it's a case by case study, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's almost like you know we do. I do a consultation with every person before I even start doing anything with them, and that's just for me to get to know them and their style because I'm not going to put somebody in a big like 1960s full volume like. Greta Garbo looking hairstyle and then all of a sudden she's like, Oh, but I want to look like Victoria's Secret. And I'm like, well, dang it. Let me just brush this whole thing out. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Now it, it is the big, I mean, they say everything's bigger in Texas. The big pageant <laughs> hair. Is that something that's of the past? Um, no, I, you know, I love big hair as a hairdresser. I, I try to give everybody big hair because that's, I just love big hair. Um, so I feel like it can be done in a more modern way. Um, I think when you take a lot of different factors like big hair and really tight curls and really lacquered hairspray and you put all that together, that's what makes it dated. But I feel like if you take big voluptuous hair and maybe brush it out a little bit and make it look a little softer or you've changed the person's hair color a little bit, that's what modernizes it and makes it more attractive to look at from a distance. If there was something that a girl could do prior to meeting with you and going through the consultation where you help to bring out her most beautiful version of herself. I mean, what would that look like? Would that look like printing things off of Pinterest? Or would that look like, I don't know, taking some sort of face shape quiz or what, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, especially with my everyday clients in the salon, they love Pinterest. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody sit in my chair and they find, you know, this gorgeous Victoria's Secret model with hair to her butt. And it's like, super thick. And then the woman sitting in front of me has very fine baby short hair. And I'm like, yes, that's fabulous. I would love to do that. But the benefit that I get as a hairdresser from that is I kind of know like what they're, what they want. And I kind of know where I can put them. Um, so most of the time when I meet with somebody for the first time, especially a pageant contestant, I'll have them bring some images that maybe not be exactly what they want, but it inspires them in some way. Like I like this color. or I like this look. Um, I've had clients bring me pictures found in nature for their hair color. Like this one lady brought me a picture of a leaf and said, I want my hair to be this color. I, you know, I'm, I've seen crazy things. So I feel like a photo um, or just something of inspiration is a great place to start. When girls are bringing in these photos, do you find that sometimes they're distracted by the beauty of the photography and not necessarily like the hairstyle? Yeah. A lot of times I always say that too. I preface it with like, you know, keep in mind this is on Pinterest. It's a professional photo. Most likely has been edited. You know, let's be realistic here. Um, yeah. So I feel like the editing or the angle in which the model is holding her head or the way the hair is styled, you know, you don't know all the factors that go into that. So I kind of bring it more to a realistic level and say, I can do this for you, but it's going to take X, Y, and Z to get there. Yeah, like weave or like, it's like yeah, like you're like I'm gonna have to give you 16 sets of clip-in extensions, and your head's gonna weigh 150 pounds, but you'll have that fabulous hair, even if you have to be in a wheelchair because your head's so heavy, <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> but you will look smashing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, are there trends that you're seeing on girls like uh, on stage, just as a blanket statement, that you feel are outdated? Um. Mm, I feel like I go back to that like really heavily plastered hairspray look. Um, I love to tease hair, but when you get like hair, when you get hair really big and you're trying to calm the tease down and you're like brushing the hair and all the hairs are laying in place and you're like, oh, this is really pretty. And then you spritz it with hairspray and you kind of rub your hand across it to lay all the flyaways down. Then it becomes like a helmet. And when they walk out on stage, it's almost like their hair enters the stage before they do. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's how this is going to be. And it kind of overtakes the girl's face. So I feel like the knowing and understanding the fine line between um, volume and extreme volume that might look a little outlandish from the audience is a big deal um, to keep it more like realistic. Yeah, agreed. Now, so when it comes to um, contestants, at the day of the pageant, do you recommend that they somewhat try to go in and blaze their own trail and do their own hair and makeup? Or do you suggest them bringing in an outside consultant like yourself? Um, 
It really depends. Um, there, I've you know I've met contestants that are full time hairdressers or full time makeup artists, and they prefer to do that because they know their face, they know their hair, they know their skin texture. You know, they can do all that, and that makes them comfortable. And some of the contestants even find um, like stress relief in that because they can control that for themselves. So usually, when somebody says that to me, I'm like, by all means, if that's going to help you compete better, then you do that. Um, but the benefit that you get of hiring a professional, you know, the knowledge that I speak shortly of on this call and, you know, the experience and the understanding of what we're doing, especially um, being a full-time licensed hairdresser, you have all the actual technical knowledge on top of the everyday pageant knowledge, which goes in to help the overall look, whereas a lot of people don't have that. They're just, you know, oh, I'm a hairstylist because I, my sister was a pageant contestant 20 years ago and I thought it would be fun to style hair, but I'm not a licensed cosmetologist. Um, so I feel like when you pay a professional, you do get that benefit of the professional knowledge of the, the style itself. Yeah. And I, I know even for me in business, it, starting off in business, I was like, no, I'll figure it out and I'll, right. I'll just figure it out. And then now anytime that I can, I look to hire a consultant to help me in any problematic area of my company because it crushes the learning curve and allows mm-hmm. me to focus on the things that I'm best at. I mean, for the pageant girl who's juggling a part or a full-time job, a boyfriend, plus getting fitness ready and dealing with all these people, right. you don't have time to also become an expert in hair and makeup, which you've been doing for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. And I feel like some people, like they will pay a hairdresser to give them a hair and makeup lesson and that's great and you can do it, but you need five hours to do it because you're not as comfortable with it. And realistically, you don't have five hours at a pageant. <laughs> right. And one makeup lesson, you're not going to be like, oh, okay, I'm an expert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now I can make myself look like Adele in 20 minutes flat. You know, it's great. <laughs> right. Or Katy Perry, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> now, what are some like, and you can just touch on these and bullet point or go in however deep you want to. But um, as far as the important points that girls need to remember regarding stage makeup. Um, okay, where do I start? Okay, um, <laughs> there's a lot of things I feel like. Um, so there is that whole, you know, when you look at a celebrity, let's take uh, Kim Kardashian, for instance. Four or five years ago, her makeup was just heavy contour, heavy highlight, you know, heavy eyeliner. And, you know, she would walk out of her house during the day in, in Los Angeles looking like that. And a photographer would take a photo of her and everybody would love it and they would want to mimic it. Um, I feel like when you take makeup, now granted, she didn't do that herself. She had somebody that did that. But when you take that extreme contour and highlight and it's not applied correctly, maybe it's not the right shade for the person or maybe the actual location of it on the person's face isn't done correctly, um, it tends to make you look more aggressive when you're on stage, especially in that stage lighting that can be really harsh and unforgiving. Um, it creates crazy shadows from above. It can create, you know, cross lighting from the side of the stage that you don't really take into account. Um, so I feel like the highlighting and contouring tends to be something that people can get either over carried, carried away with or like under carried away with, and it's not enough. So that's a big one. Is there kind of a safe go-to as it's concerned to stage makeup that girls can pretty much just bank on it like 85% of the time this is going to be a safe bet? Yeah, I mean, I feel like neutral colors are most people's best friend. Um, So like if you're doing your own hair and makeup, when in doubt, go with some sort of neutral eye colors, you know, browns. You can do a beautiful smoky eye just in brown colors, you know, with a black eyeliner false lashes and be done that way you're not going oh my gosh i have to pick out like a really good color that complements my eye tone and then you're getting really technical and overthinking it um i feel like if you can just get a really good set of like three four maybe five colors that you're really comfortable with you know they look good on you you can operate with them well that's a great place to start and that color tends to translate really well um, when you're on stage because the lighting can be harsh. So those darker browns or whatever color you're using, as long as it's a little shadowy or a little smoky, it'll kind of absorb some of that light. And instead of making you look washed out, it'll actually define your features a little better. Now, does that matter? Like regardless of what the background is, like if it's a dark background versus if it's a white stage, white background? Um, I feel like the pageants that I've been to that have a white background, a lot of them are backlit. Um, So you're having almost like a double lighting situation where you've got light from behind and light from in front or above. Um, In those situations, I tend to go a little heavier with like the eye makeup or the contour just because I 
I can go out in the audience like before the pageant and just kind of gauge it and be like, yeah, this is going to be really, really bright. Um, especially on like a contestant with blonde hair, her hair is going to look white. Um, whereas on a stage with a black backdrop, that front lighting is going to hit the contestant and then kind of disappear in the back. So it's a little softer looking. Um, so I feel like, again, that goes back to the benefit of hiring a professional that can kind of look at that, especially if they're experienced in pageantry and kind of look at it and be like, well, you know, maybe we'll go a little heavier with your makeup because there's a lot of light on stage. There's a lot of white, you know, maybe you're in a white evening gown, um, or let's go a little softer because it's a black backdrop and I don't want you to look too aggressive against all the dark colors on stage. So that kind of goes back to like a hairdresser knowledge situation. Yeah. And especially if you, if you did that one five hour training session with your hair and makeup <laughs> and, and you were planning on the stage, like white floor, white background, and then the director just flips it. Right. Like you come out man. looking like Bozo the Clown because <laughs> you spent five hours and you thought that teasing your hair all the way up to the rafters was going to be a good idea. Yeah. And, but if right. you have that person there, they can help you course correct really quick and give you that yeah. confidence. Yeah. So now what are some important points that girls need to remember regarding um, interview makeup? So interview can be... Um, Different in different systems. Um, obviously, you're in a room with your judges. Um, I know at International, you sit in front of one judge at a time, so it's very personal. Um, at Miss America, you're standing in front of a panel. Um, but in either case, you're still, you know, five to maybe 10 feet at the most from a person that's, you know, analyzing you. So I feel like when I look at interview hair and makeup, I tend to think of it as a more glammed up, glammed up version of, you know, a Vogue magazine interview for Miss USA kind of interview. So if a Miss USA contestant was going to interview for a job at Vogue magazine, I would put her in a softer, prettier hair and makeup that's still trendy, but it's not like, oh, that's really alarming. Look at all of her um, contouring and we're in like three feet from each other. Um, or, you know, in a Miss America situation where they tend to be a little bit more conservative with their dress um, and approach to interview, I wouldn't go as sexy as Miss USA, I would put her in something a little more conservative, but yet still be natural with the makeup. Pageant natural, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there is a difference between natural and pageant natural. Yeah, I, certainly. Yeah, completely. Now, so with this, do you see some of the big mistakes that girls make as far as their interview makeup that needs to be addressed? Yeah, I feel like when you... When I stand back and look at a contestant that I might know she has done her hair and makeup herself, I find that they, they have a hard time translating. Um, it's almost like they just want to put their stage makeup on and go into interview because that's either what they're comfortable with doing on themselves or that's what makes them feel comfortable. You know, that's their look for the pageant, so they don't want to change it that much. But I feel like um, I've judged many pageants, and when I speak with a contestant in interview and she's got her full, you know, crazy butterfly eyelashes on and she's got her full makeup on, it's really hard to focus on what she's saying because all I'm doing is looking at her face. And obviously I'm a, I'm a hair and makeup artist, so I, that's what I pay attention to. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing that a contestant should take from what I'm saying is just keep in mind that even if it's not a hairdresser that's judging you, a female judge is one of the biggest ones that's going to look at you and be like, oh, wow, she's really overdone. And she might have a good story or a good platform, but I'm missing out on it because I'm really distracted. Yeah. And as a as a straight male, when I first started judging, if a girl had caked on makeup, I would just assume that she wasn't authentic. I didn't even yeah, know like, yeah. oh, she's just not good at doing makeup or maybe she's just passionate about this and just actually got a little heavy handed. Yeah. That's how it translated for me. Yeah, maybe you get like the mayor of the town you're in that's judging the pageant you're in, and he knows nothing about makeup and really probably doesn't know much about pageants. And you go and sit in front of him with all that makeup on, he's going to be like, oh, okay, so how do I approach her? You know, <laughs> it's almost like you have to redirect your interview thought process because it's a little distracting. Yeah. So if what I hear you saying is basically going into interview, don't feel like you need to be heavy handed on the makeup. You have right. more of a light, more of a natural approach. I feel like if you, my, my version of like pageant natural is like a good coverage with the foundation to make your skin look nice. And then maybe you go a little easier with the eye makeup and the lip color. So it's not so harsh. Like you can still use a lot of foundation, you know, make your skin look flawless. But I think as far as like an eyeshadow and the lashes and like all the other things that go into it, not heavy eyeliner, um, those kind of things really can tone it down nicely 
and not filling your brows in to look like you used a Sharpie when you did it, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so true, that's so true. Now, are there certain, because you have mentioned eyelashes, is there a certain type of lash you recommend for interview versus on stage? Yes. Um, Thomas and I are actually working on our own line of lashes right now. Nice. <laughs> so, those will, so those will be done soon. But as far as like a, um, we tend to use a more, there's a number from Ardell, the brand Ardell, it's a 110 and it's like a medium thick. It's not really like, holy, holy crap, look at her lashes, but it's not really like, does she have lashes on? Um, they're a good go-to lash, even for stage. If you're like, I'm not really sure what to wear and these big full ones freak me out, go with an Ardell number 110 because it's good for anybody. Um, and that's what I would use in interview because it's not really aggressive. It looks like your lashes. Now, makeup, if someone's sitting down at Thomas Dunn Studios and getting ready to take their picture for a headshot, something of that nature, mm-hmm. what are some of like important points that girls need to remember regarding makeup in that situation? Um, if they've never had like a professional photo done, it can be a little freaky when you get your makeup done for that because they're like, Oh my Lord, you're putting so much makeup on me. However, makeup for photography differs a lot from what you would do like on stage. Um, excuse me, or in person for an interview. Um, it helps us avoid having to do any Photoshop work in the back end of the photo shoot. So the more flawless your hair and makeup is for a photo shoot, the easier it is to produce a more like authentic looking picture that isn't over airbrushed or over edited. Um, so it can be a little alarming when you sit down for the first time and have like a real headshot done and you're like, wow, you're putting a lot of makeup on me. But when you look at the photo, you're like, oh, okay, I completely understand why. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Same thing with the hair. Um, tend to use a lot of product in the hair when I'm doing a photo shoot just because it's I really manipulate a lot of different things in a photo. Um, so that's those are a couple things to take into account too. Yeah, and just kind of a, I mean, as an outsider, um, I've never hired a professional makeup or professional <laughs> hairstylist right. to do my stuff. <laughs> I trim my own beard, dag on it. Uh, <laughs> but with, um, but with girls, when they when they come to me and they say, "Oh my gosh, I love this headshot," and let's say it's a California USA, mm-hmm. and they want to replicate that but then they don't want to spend the money to hire the professionals to get them that look. It's mm-hmm. just not going to translate. I mean, those girls, they, they spend the money and they hire someone like yourself to not only do the hair and makeup, but also take their photos. Right. So, right. um, just, they should know that going in that if you don't hire the best, you're not going to get the best product. Yeah. And there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of photographers that try to emulate each other because we all like what each other is doing. Um, so you'll see a couple different like photographers that have very similar hair and makeup styles or a very similar lighting setup in their photo or a very similar posing of the model. Um, because obviously it's, we all look at each other's work because we enjoy what each other is doing. Um, but it's, with that being said, each photographer and hair and makeup artist still has their own kind of style. And I feel like it's very important for you to kind of figure out what you want to emulate from your headshot, especially your image, because that is a big thing going into a pageant interview. And that's the first thing a judge is going to see as well. How am I going to judge this girl based off this headshot? Um, so, you know, you get with a photographer that best translates through their portfolio what you want to translate in your headshot. Now let's move on to uh, like how hair and makeup vary by system. Now you and I both know there's like thousands of pageant systems out there, so it's impossible to cover them all. However, if we were just to say like universe America, maybe like national American miss and like, Mm -hmm. you know, international or world or whatever you think, um, if you could categorize it in those like three or four, talk to us about the difference in hair and makeup style, just as a blanket overview statement. Sure. So I feel like um, Miss Universe and Miss USA are very um, fashion forward, very Victoria's Secret. Um, it's still they still do their hair. Obviously, it's not an undone kind of look, but it, they make it look more effortless and sexy. Um, so it takes a pageant and kind of turns it on its head and says, yeah, we're still going to do a pageant, but let's make them look very fashion. Um, then you have like Miss America, who is getting they're trying to do that more fashion forward look without losing the Miss America brand. So they're still a little more traditional in the way that they like their contestants hair and makeup to be done or their contestants to be dressed. So they tend to have um, 
a more done look to their hair. Like it's more finished, more teased, more styled, um, yet still a little more fashion forward, especially being on television. You can't look but too pageant patty on television because a novice watching a pageant at home might think, wow, she's like, look at all that hair. Um, Miss International, for instance, is I feel like somewhere in between that Miss America and Miss USA where they like their contestant to be um, very fashion forward and very trendy, but yet flattering to the person at the same time. And since the international pageant has a Mrs. category, you have to take into account the person's age. Are they age appropriate? You know, all of that. Um, and then I feel like National American Miss, and they all kind of fall in right behind Miss America because I feel like Miss Universe is the most um, fashion forward in their look. Um, and then the international pageant and then America falls kind of right in there behind it. Now, in regards to hair specifically, let's talk more hair extensions. Who's mm-hmm. a good candidate for hair extension and who do you feel like should just not worry about it and who should pass on it? Well, so there are different instances where I'll have a contestant come to me that has hair already to like her waist, but it's like baby fine and it doesn't hold a curl. Um, in that case, I would tell her to get extensions because hair extensions are they don't have the natural oils that your hair does. Um, so when you curl them and put product in them, they tend to hold curl like a hundred times better than your natural hair would. Um, so for a contestant that's got like baby fine hair, but it's really long, I would tell her to get some extensions, maybe cut her natural hair, get some extensions and put some extensions in so that'll help her style it or whoever is styling her hair handle that in a much better way. Um, those contestants that have obscenely thick hair, um, that just want extensions because they think that's what they have to do for a pageant. I tell them not to do it because there are many other ways to do your hair that look more flattering and natural and appropriate than without all that extra hair. Um, cause there is such thing as too much hair. I mean, we've all seen that before where you see a girl come out on the stage and she's basically dusting the floor with her hair extensions as she's walking. And you're like, wow, that's not necessary. Um, then you have the contestant that has a really short bob haircut and she wants extensions like here now tomorrow. And those extensions for somebody with a really short haircut are not going to blend really well. Um, because a really short haircut does not like extensions. You will see that separation between their natural hair and the hair extensions. Um, so I feel like if you're looking at extensions for fullness, there's you, your hair needs to be at least like chest length before you can really wear a pair of extensions and make them look natural. Um, and if you're looking at it for length, you really need to have, uh, you know, again, this, as long as your hair is chest length, you just, that's just what is necessary. I've seen too many girls try to put extensions in with really short hair and it's just really bad look. Mm. Yeah. It's just like a, it's it really, I mean, to be honest, it looks like a mullet. It looks like it's so separated that the top is really short and then the back is really long and you can see where the extensions start and her natural hair stops. And I hate that. Now, do do you feel like women with short hair that they are at a disadvantage when it comes to competing, like that judges kind of almost discredit them a little bit because they have short hair or are those days behind us? I think those days are behind us. I feel like that's a little bit of a stigma. I mean, we had a contestant from Ohio last year at the international pageants that was in the top five. Um, and she had short hair and she rocked her short hair. Um, I feel like that is more of a stigma. And also it always depends on the panel of judges and what they like. Um, you know, the judges are always different at each pageant. So whatever catches the judge's eye is just what happens to catch their eye. But as far as people's opinion on short hair, I feel like short hair is not a problem. Now we get this question a lot on their site, uh, for, for women of color, uh, they mm-hmm. ask, okay, should we go natural? Is it okay to do braids? Like w- what are your thoughts, um, concerning that? Um, I've dealt with all of it. So I've dealt with women that have gone natural with their hair. Um, and to be honest, if you have really good hair that you can wear in a natural state, then go for it because it's easier to style or it's easier for a hairdresser to style. Um, I've had, contestants that have gone natural and put some extensions in so that they have some length um, to their hair when, it, when they go on stage. Um, as far as like braids and stuff, I feel like we still are at a pageant. So there's still that um, air of glamour that the judge is looking for. And I don't feel like braids are giving a glamour vibe that a judge would look at. Um, not that there's anything wrong with expressing yourself that way, but that's just, you know, for a pageant setting, that's what I would recommend. 
Yeah, it kind of seems like regardless of how much we are advanced, there's certain stereotypes that just have they haven't let go. It yeah, like I mean, in, in a pageant, there's still such thing as too edgy or too different. Yeah. Now, yeah. what's what's your preferred kind of hair extensions for your clients? Do you have a particular brand that you love? Um, so there's a brand called Bellamy. That's B-E-L-L-A-M-I, and they make great hair extensions. They've got um, clip-ins, all kinds of different things, and the quality of the hair is really nice. Um, they're a little on the pricier end, but what in, in a pageant, what isn't on the pricier end, let's be real. Um, but they're worth the investment. Um, if you take care of them, you can use them for several years. Um, I prefer clip-in extensions just because if I'm doing someone's hair, I can kind of move the hair around where I want to put it. Um, you can do more permanent solutions like a tape in extension or, um, a bonded extension. Um, just be sure that the person you have doing them is really knowledgeable in it. Cause I've seen some disasters happen <laughs> at a pageant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm sure you have stories for days on that. Yes. <laughs> now concerning makeup trends, um, to jump back over here, mm-hmm. does it vary by age? And if so, how, if you could kind of break it up in age divisions for us, that would be awesome. Yeah, I feel like um, on a Mrs. contestant, for instance, like at Mrs. International, I would not put like a bright pink bubblegum lip color on her because that's not appropriate. Um, when I look at the different age divisions, I kind of find in my mind, maybe not out loud to the contestant, but I find in my mind like a celebrity that um, is in their age range that they kind of, I feel like could emulate really well. Um, and I kind of translate that onto them as long as it flatters them well. Um, so definitely age appropriate is a huge thing on a Mrs. Contestant. I probably won't go crazy with a lot of contouring and stuff because then it can start to look, um, really different on their skin texture. Cause as we age, our skin textures age with us, unfortunately. Uh, and sometimes the makeup acts differently on different types of skin. Um, whereas in the Miss division, you can go a little more trendier. You might be able to do more of a bold lip color with a more neutral eye color because it flatters her well. Um, and then in the teen division, you can go a little lighter with the makeup. Um, a lot of the teen contestants, moms or dads, don't like their daughters to be done up like a Miss contestant because they feel like it's not age appropriate. Again, that goes back to the pageant system you're competing in. But from my personal opinion standpoint, I would definitely do maybe not quite as heavy makeup as a Miss contestant, but definitely still fun and cute and you know very like Sherry Hill ad kind of look. Now, I know you did this with the Mrs. Contestants a little bit, but if you could break it up as far as colors, um, Mm -hmm. teens should not wear colors, if any, that Miss Contestants should stay away from, and then also Ms. and Mrs. I don't really like putting like a red lip color on a teen. I don't feel like that's age appropriate. It tends to translate to too sexy um, to a judge. Um, I don't like to do really dark black smoky eyes on a teen contestant because that does the same thing. It either just doesn't look good on them or it translates to too much bedroom eye kind of looking um, on a Miss contestant. I don't, you know, I don't really like to do a red lip on a Miss contestant either unless it's called for. Um, they can pull it off, obviously, but, you know, if maybe if their evening gown's red, I won't do that because it clashes with the red evening gown. Um, and I'm not all about matchy-matchy colors, so I probably wouldn't do that anyway. Um when you get into those married women divisions, you have to kind of remember that they might have kids, they have a husband. So I don't really want to like hussy them up and put them on stage and like, there you go, honey, you look great. Um, so I tend to be more conservative in my thought about the color palette. You know, they can still wear a lot of makeup to look flawless on stage, but my color choices are a little different. I might do more um, neutral browns on a Mrs. Contestant, whereas on a Miss Contestant, I might go in with some fun navy blues or a nice wine red color or something like that. So is it fair to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that Mrs. Contestant should go into their makeup strategy um, more of with a teen thought in mind, like the purity of a teen and not to say that miscontextants are, are impure, but just <laughs> right. kind of with that um, that innocence of a teen. But then, but they can just put more makeup on. Is that correct? Yeah. I, well, I think that you know each person's different. I've had Mrs. Contestants in the past that just really want to wear a lot of bold makeup, and I, of course, I don't say no to them because they paid me to do my job. And at the end of the day, they're going to get what they want. Um, but as a general statement, I think that. If you are a Mrs. contestant, 
yes, in a sense, you're kind of correct in saying that they should go into it with the thought of more um, appealing, maybe not purity is a good word to use, but that more age-appropriate mindset thinking, okay, what would I wear to a fabulous job interview to meet the president or what would I, you know, those kind of situations. Um, maybe, maybe not quite as innocent as a teen, but with the same mindset of not going overboard. Perfect. Now you and Thomas have your own makeup line. So talk to us a little bit um, about your makeup line and actually what makes it unique and, and even the story of why you created it. Sure. So, you know, we've been doing hair and makeup, I mean, combined for well over 17 years now. Um, and we have used literally every brand of makeup, every brand of hair product um, that there is on the market. And we've spent tons of money on makeup kits. And at the end of the day, we were just like, you know what? We love makeup, but there's a lot of things I can like take or leave. Like, I don't really like this MAC powder. I don't really like this lipstick from this company. Um, so what we've done is we've kind of put everything together that we do love um, into one line. And of course, you know, the branding is all about business. So that always helps us too. Um, it's a good branding opportunity for us. So we have the tools that we love to work with. Um, and it helps us as a business to brand ourselves as a whole. Um, I feel like our makeup is great, not only for pageants, but our clients in the salon. Um, I have actually probably more clients in our salon than by than pageant contestants, um, because it's such a great makeup. And that has, says a lot to me. It's not just a pageant makeup line. It's an everyday makeup line that can be used for anything. And it's very versatile. Um, so that's a, that's a nice compliment. I feel like as far as the uniqueness of it, um, there are a lot of products and colors that you may not find in another, another line. Um, I really love our HD foundations. They go on really nicely and they have a nice finish to them. They're great for stage photography, um, everyday wear. So it's very versatile. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I've kind of taken what I love from the makeup world and kind of put it together in one little you know, collection. Now, if there was like one product out of your line that was the must have, what would mm-hmm. that one product be? And, and why do you feel like it's the must have? That's really tough. Um, cause I love it all. I have to be unbiased right now. Um, I feel like our HD foundation is probably the must have, um, because I just love the way it makes people's skin look when it's on. It has a very nice, it has a very good skin color correcting to it. Um, it covers really nicely, but it's not like pancakey looking when it's covered. Um, it still allows your skin to breathe a little bit and it's really lightweight. Um, I just really love that. So what are your tips and tricks for, uh, contestants who want to have fuller looking lips? So, if you really wanted to, you could have them filled. You know, I don't, I don't recommend people doing that, but you know, some people are not against it. So you can always go to a plastic surgeon and have somebody fill them. Um, on a more realistic standpoint, you can overdraw your lips with a lip liner. Um, if you just go, you know, if you practice in the mirror and you just go above the ridge of your lip, um, a little bit and then fill it in with your lipstick, it'll help it appear, um, fuller. You could also use a lip liner that's a little darker than what you normally would. And that shadow kind of helps create a more fuller look. Um, obviously be light handed with that. If you're going to use a darker one, because it can tend to look really, really heavy. So blend it out really nicely, but yeah, overdrawing it, um, helps a lot. And maybe using more than just one shade of lipstick, if you can like contour the inner corners of your lips, it just adds a little dimension to it. Do limp, do lip plumpers work? Um, I've never seen one that, that really, you know, I look at and go, oh my gosh, look, there's such a difference. So my personal opinion, there are some that'll plump it temporarily, you know, an hour or two. But after that, I don't, you know, I don't feel like they're that useful. Gotcha. I feel like I get more result out of overlining somebody's lips and really spending time with the lip color than I do like a lip plumper. Mm-hmm. Now, what about amazing lashes? What are your tips and tricks for helping contestants achieve that? So... False lashes are fantastic. Um, a lot of people like lash extensions. Um, they can be great as well. They Lash extensions are probably going to give you your most realistic-looking lashes and still get a really full lash where um, natural – I mean, excuse me, false like strip lashes, you're still going to get a good effect from it, but a lot of times you can see that little band where they lay on your um, lash bed. Um, so if you're looking for realistic but really full, I would say go lash extensions. Um as far as 
just really good, easy to use lashes go with a false strip lash because they're easy to put on. They're easy to take off. Um, if you buy like a pair of mink eyelashes, you can actually reuse those several times. So they're very versatile. Now, what about contouring? What, what are your suggestions there? Um, so uh, some of that is personal preference. I think if you've ever done, um, if a contestant sits down, sits down to do her own makeup, um, a lot of people like to contour with a cream-based product, and some people like a powder-based product. Um, it really depends on your skin texture. I feel like on um, somebody with a little bit of a looser skin texture or more more texture to their skin, um, I would do a cream product just because it sits in the skin nicer. And then somebody with a more youthful complexion, I might use a powder because it's easier to move across the skin. That's more of a um, personal preference, I think. And for the girls that have that blemish that just happens to pop its head on the day of the pageant. What's your tips for helping them cover that? Rule number one, do not try to pop it because you will have a crazy situation happening on your face. Um, so even if so it's white, I, even if it's white, you don't pop it. Well, I mean, I guess I can't tell you not to, but I haven't, we, I mean, makeup can cover anything. So that kind of stuff, I don't feel like you can really see unless you've like touched it all day where your makeup's been. Um, that's, you know, I can't stop somebody from popping it. I it think I probably so, pop. Yeah, it'd be so hard if it was white. Yeah. And I would just, I would try to pop it. Then I would just say, Drew, come fix it. Right. Can you just cut? That's what most of them do. Okay. I mean, if, if you if you have enough willpower and you don't, and you can, and you can like keep yourself from touching it, then great. But I doubt anybody has that much willpower. So, so, but what you're saying from a makeup standpoint, it's a lot easier to cover it and make it invincible if you don't pop it. Yeah. Now, granted, if it's massive and it looks like Mount Vesuvius on your face, I'll probably tell you, I'll probably figure out something else. But if it's like a little small blemish that we're talking about, then yeah, I can cover it pretty easily. But if it's like a crater on your forehead, then I can't do plastic surgery. Yeah. So I guess it depends on the situation there. Yep. Nor can you do ex- excavation digs. Uh, right. I can't do fossil findings. I can't do extractions. I can't get my excavator out. You know, I don't have all that with me. It's at home. Oh, God. I mean, I can remember like in high school waking up with some of those from football or whatever. Oh, and it just, God. it was painful. So yeah, God, God bless. You're like, do bless. I have to go to school today? <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, it's like, oh, don't even want to look in a mirror. Right. Okay. Okay, so what about girls that want to have that just beautiful, natural, healthy hair? Um, so a lot of hair processes, products has to do with quality. And I'm a big believer in this because we use some of the best hair products at the salon. Um, I feel like with hair services and product, it has a lot to do with the product itself. So like, for instance, in our salon, we use Aveda hair color. Um, and it's fantastic on hair. Like it, it's, I've never damaged anybody's hair with the hair color we use. Um, product, you know, the more expensive product, some of it does work, some of it doesn't. Um, some of that is personal opinion too, but I feel like the better the product, the more better end result you're going to have. Um, obviously going to a hairdresser that's educated in what they're doing, um, to protect your hair, um, through all the heat styling that a pageant's going to put it through, all the chemical processes you put it through to get it to that perfect color. Um, but there's a lot of at-home treating that I feel like a pageant contestant can do with like deep conditioners and heat protectant products. Um, just because even with, when they do their own hair to go to an appearance, they put it through a lot of heat damage and heat styling that they may not have that same product that the stylist is using at home. So they may not be taking care of it as well as their stylist would. Do you have somewhat of a price range that, you know, girls could expect this is what a really good quality shampoo is going to cost you? Um, so we carry a couple of different brands. One of the brands is called R and co it's short for rogue and company. Um, and their products range from 25 to 30 for shampoo so for shampoo and conditioner, you're looking at $60. Um, we also have Orbe, which is a very high-end product line. And those range more like 45 to 55 for shampoo and the same for conditioner. Um, we have both just because we have both types of clientele in the salon. We have a higher-end clientele and a more middle-range, you know, working professional, young, trendy people that don't want to spend as much on their hair. Um, I love the r and products. And I don't think that these two brands compete with each other in quality because of the price. They're both the same quality. There's just different types of products that might work well on somebody else's hair. 
I'm going to make sure that Renata, my fiance, does not hear that. That, just, <laughs> that, that. But I mean, so what is it that makes it so expensive? Do they just use like organic products? I mean, walk me through Well, that. so a lot of it has to do with ingredients. Um, and really with Warbay specifically, my favorite product is called Royal Blowout. And it's $75. Um, and it literally, I can take somebody with the coarsest hair spray it in their hair when it's wet, blow their hair out with a round brush, and it feels like silk when it's done. Um, so when I get products like that, that just are magic on somebody's hair, I don't care about the price anymore. I don't, you know, and my clients are the same way. They're like, oh my gosh, what did you use on my hair? I don't care how much it costs I want. Um, and I feel like that's what Orbe does. Orbe has the best product, and you can immediately feel a difference when you put it on somebody's hair, whereas if you're using a drugstore brand or Something that like uh, I'm not a big fan of Paul Mitchell products. So we'll take those, for example, if you use something like that, that you may not feel an immediate result from. Yeah, you may have spent, you know, 15 bucks on it, whatever. But you're like, what am I getting from it? So I feel like Orbe, for instance, is great. They justify their price based off the result you're getting from the product. Awesome. What about for girls who are trying to hold a curl? Any secret Jedi tricks on that? Um. Lord, I guess it depends. Um, so many times I get contestants that have, you know, that baby fine hair that might be down to their waist. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is I will take some sort of like styling mousse. There's a lot of different types of mousses, but R and Co makes one called chiffon. And I literally take it on dry hair, put it through somebody's hair that has that texture and I'll blow dry it really quickly with my hands just to kind of put the product in the hair and dry it out. And then I'll go through and curl it with hot rollers or a curling iron. Um, and that mousse in that hair actually helps build some of that hold within the hair without having to put layers and layers and layers and layers of hairspray on it. Um, obviously, I'm still going to use hairspray, but that mousse just helps to go inside the hair and build some sort of base for me so that I'm not relying just on a hairspray to do all that work. So I feel like it holds a little nicer. It looks a little softer. Um Hot rollers are probably a little bit better choice on somebody with hair like that because the heat is a little more constant, a little hotter. Um, so that higher heat tends to help hold curl a little better. Now, speaking of hairspray, do you have a favorite? Um, I have a couple, but my favorite right now is called Outer Space and it's from R&Co. It's a really like good working hairspray that I can use on somebody's hair as I'm styling it. Um, I don't really use like a crazy strong hairspray until I've kind of created their look and I want to set it in place. Um, and the vicious hairspray from R and co is great for that. It's really nice cause it's really, really strong, but it doesn't give that crunchy, um, after feeling where you can look at somebody's hair and feel like if you touched it, it would just deflate. Um, it doesn't give me that effect. So I love both of those together. Now, is there a certain hairspray you recommend with girls going into interview versus, say, swimsuit or evening gown? Um, maybe not a brand in particular, but maybe the way it's used. Okay. Um, you know, if you, and no matter what hairspray it is, I can buy a $100 hairspray and still overuse it and it'll still look bad. Um, so I feel like knowing um, the type of hairspray you're using, when to use it, again, that goes back to being an educated hairdresser. Um, I use a lot of styling, like a working spray is what I call it, um, while I'm styling their hair. And then I'll kind of set it with a stronger hairspray. Um, maybe an interview, since they're not going to be like walking around on a hot stage or walking around outside, maybe I don't need that really strong hairspray at the end to hold it. Um, granted, that depends on the person's hair. But, you know, the less plaster to have to make their hair look, the better. Now, what about um, hairbrushes? combs and then go ahead and, and tell us about the makeup brushes too. Um, so I find that when you're looking at hairbrushes, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Um, typically ones with a rubber base, like everybody talks about those really expensive Mason Pearson hairbrushes that are, you know, made out of boar's hair and they're like $200 for a, a brush. Um, you don't have to buy that exact brush, but something that's emulating that is a good brush. Um, like a rubber base with a nylon and boar bristle combination is really nice on hair because it keeps it shiny as you're brushing through it um, and doesn't really snag and tangle and pull. Um, makeup brushes, I feel like, depending on 
how often you use them. You know, if you're not a big makeup wearer, which you just use your brushes for pageants, then you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars on brushes. Um, but on the other hand, if you're a makeup connoisseur and you wear makeup like every day and you put it on even more for a pageant or you take it off four times during the pageant to redo it, um, Grant, you're going to want to buy some better brushes at last. Um, we use a lot of Sigma um, brushes that are fantastic. We have a lot of Mac brushes that are great. Um, there's a lot of more affordable brush brands like B&H Cosmetics. Um, you can get brushes really cheap through them for the people that don't need to spend an arm and a leg on brushes. Um, I don't really use a lot of combs unless I'm, you know, cutting somebody's hair or doing some sort of different style. Um, teasing brushes, I tend to use, um, there's a really nice Paul Mitchell teasing brush. It's like a wooden handle. Um, those are great because it works on almost anybody's hair texture and just makes it really easy to keep that tease in the hair without it falling out. Oh, that's great. Now I, I know that girls, if they go to um, the pageant planet and they click, uh, find a makeup consultant, they'll be able mm-hmm. to find you there. But, yeah. um, how else can they find you? And also because you do offer so many services, just tie it up in a nice little bow of like all the different services that you provide for girls. Okay. Um, and as well as where they can find you online. Sure. So we do hair, makeup, photography, cosmetics. Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. We do some sort of, we don't really do a lot of coaching, but you know, we give our opinion out a lot. So if somebody asks us for our opinion on something, we're not afraid to tell somebody. Um, you can find us at thomasdunstudios.com. Um, from there, you can link over to our makeup website, which is doneanddonecosmetics.com. Um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, our Instagram and Twitter handles are at tdunstudios. Um, so those are both the same. Um, Facebook is just Thomas Dunn Studios. Um, yeah, so we're, we're all over the place. So we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, you, you totally are. And, and you all do amazing jobs. I mean, the, Jesse you. was, and, and Jesse says hi. Yeah, we love her. (laughs) (laughs) So, Drew, again, thank you for sharing your expertise. I mean, wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate it. And I know the girls on the other side of this are probably taking copious notes. Yeah, I'm sure. Don't don't let your hands cramp up, ladies. Just call me. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.